When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Demons and Devils The forces of good versus the forces of evil is a tale as old as time, and it's a tale often repeated throughout Dungeons and Dragons. There are plenty of creatures in the game considered to be evil, but among the most numerous and notable are the various demons and devils. Someone unaware of the differences between the two might be surprised to learn there even is a difference, but their differences are rather important. So important, in fact, that demons and devils despise each other and have been locked in a war for millennia. We'll get to all of that, as well as discussing the homes of both demons and devils, and looking at a handful of different types. Between the two, demons came first, introduced in the Eldritch Wizardry Supplement for original D&D in 1976. They are stated to be chaotic evil creatures, typically forced into servitude by stronger and smarter demons. They all possess the ability to teleport, create darkness, and open a gate to summon other demons. In this supplement, and in the AD&D 1st edition monster manual, demons are not referred to by name, but instead by a ranking of type 1 through type 6, although the type 6 is referred to as a Baylor, essentially a copy of the Balrog from Tolkien's works. Eldritch Wizardry also details the Succubus as a unique demon, and two demon princes, Orcus and Demogorgon. For Demogorgon, the text states that it is contended by some that this demon lord is supreme, and in any event, he is awesome in his power. I'm sure the kids from Stranger Things would agree. More demons would be created over time, each with their own names and details, but for 2nd edition AD&D, due to the satanic panic heavily associated with the game, TSR renamed the species of demons to the Tenari. Little else was changed other than the name, so that TSR could state they no longer had demons in their game. But by 3rd edition in 2000, they were back to being called demons, with Tenari stated as their subtype. By 4th edition, the term Tenari was dropped entirely. Devils first appeared in the AD&D 1st edition monster manual, a year after Demon's introduction. They are stated to be similar to demons in their characteristics and abilities, but they follow a strict chain of command. Asmodeus is listed as the leader of all devils, followed by other archdevils, greater devils, and lesser devils. Asmodeus is also noted for being the most handsome of all devils, if you were curious. Devils also got a name change with 2nd edition, becoming known as the Batezu, blood enemies of the Tanari. Again, by 3rd edition, Batezu would become a subcategory of devils and then dropped entirely. 3.5 edition would provide two books, one for demons and one for devils, titled Fiendish Codex, that detail these entities extensively. I'll be using some information from those books, as well as the 5th edition monster manual, 
and Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes for the remainder of this video. Let's start with demons then. Demons are living embodiments of chaos, monstrous creatures coming from the dark plane known as the Abyss. The Abyss is the source of chaos, and really could have its own video to detail its infinite layers, but most importantly it creates demons as extensions of itself. Demons therefore come into existence amidst filth, carnage, and above all, chaos, and share an intrinsic hatred for life and order. With no rules in place amongst demonkind, might makes right, and powerful demons command lesser demons through fear and intimidation. Demons are typically created in lesser forms, commonly as a creature called a dretch. Dretches are among the weakest of all demons, although the average dretch could still easily rip apart the average peasant. The problem with the dretch is their impressive lack of intelligence, making them unsuitable for anything but simple tasks, and they're commonly sacrificed by more powerful demons. The other punching bag of the abyss are the manes, believed to be the transformed souls of any evil creature that gets sent to the abyss after death. Manes gather in large numbers in the abyss and attack any other demon they find until they're either simply eaten by more powerful demons or summoned by dark magic users to spread death and chaos in the material plane. Over time, if a demon manages to stay alive and continue to kill, or is transformed on purpose by a powerful demon, it can grow and twist into a stronger form. A fortunate dretch may eventually become something like a Baralgura, still plenty stupid, but standing eight feet tall and fully capable of ripping your arms off. A Baralgura who rips off enough arms could become a Hezru, creatures that are still simple but can more easily follow directions. Hezrus are the most common soldiers of any abyssal army, as they love wanton destruction and are fully capable of carrying it out en masse. A particularly accomplished Hezru might become a Glabrezu, even more capable of ripping apart foes, but also possessing a heightened intelligence, giving them the ability to use magic, as well as an inclination towards guile and trickery. Glabrezu's delight in luring in and tricking mortals, especially weak-willed magic users who attempt to summon them. A Glabrezu who successfully revels in blood and destruction for some time could find itself becoming something like a Nalfeshni, retaining their intelligence but becoming even more capable of holding their own against numerous foes. Possessing wings that allow it to easily soar over a battlefield, Nalfeshni can rip and tear through armored enemies with ease. Entering into the upper echelon of demonkind are creatures like the Marilith, possessing the lower body of a serpent and the upper body of a human female with six arms. Meriliths are capable leaders of demonic armies, intelligent and cunning, but even on their own they can slaughter all but the most capable of adventurers, attacking seven times at once between their six sword-wielding arms and their deadly tail. Above the captains of the demonic hordes are the generals, creatures such as the Balors. Balors are Balrogs in appearance and almost in name, possessing both a flaming whip and a massive sword, and are easily among the most terrifying creatures in existence. 
A Baylor general will easily crush any creature beneath it that even begins to oppose it. But even they are not at the top of the demonic food chain. At the top are the demon lords, and they spend just as much time scheming and warring with one another as they do with fighting everything else. As a lust for power is ingrained in practically every demon, the demon lords constantly vie for total control of the abyss, but that's easier said than done. Demon lords typically hold domain over one or more layers of the abyss, and their layers are twisted and shaped by the demon lord's own traits and personality. There are too many demon lords to go over all of them, much like demons, but there are a few more notable ones. Baphomet, the horned king who resembles a massive minotaur, rules over a number of savage creatures including minotaurs, ogres, and giants. Baphomet is the embodiment of savagery and wishes to revert the material plane to a savage domain of animal instincts. Demogorgon is one of the most powerful demon lords, and refers to himself as the Prince of Demons. Demogorgon looks like a combination between a reptile, a snake, and a great ape with two heads, each possessing a different personality. This conflict of personality lends itself to Demogorgon's internal madness, making him one of the most chaotic entities amidst a sea of chaos. Lolth, the Queen of Spiders, is an arachnid demoness who is far less chaotic, but far more malicious. She spends her time weaving a great number of schemes and plots, and is a central figure of worship by the drow, so we'll hear more about her in the video discussing them. Every pantheon needs a god of the undead, and for the demon lords, that domain belongs to Orcus. Orcus has the head and legs of a goat, bat-like wings, and a grossly corpulent humanoid body. Orcus is worshipped by various undead as well as living creatures seeking power over death, such as wizards wishing to become liches. Orcus possesses a powerful artifact known as the Wand of Orcus, capable of killing any living creature with a touch, and he occasionally purposefully lets it fall into the hands of mortals to sow chaos. Moving over to Devils, they are similar in some ways to demons, such as their opposition to all that is good and their capacity for cruelty, but it's their differences that make them unique. Devils are all of the lawful-evil alignment, which is a good lesson in how something can be both lawful and evil at the same time. Devils are undoubtedly evil, but the laws they follow are their own, falling into a strict hierarchy that has largely gone unchanged throughout history. Just as the chaotic frenzy of the demons is their strength, so is the order and obedience of the devils their strength. Lesser devils unwaveringly serve greater devils because they all know that their loyalty will be rewarded. This innate sense of order is built into devils, just as chaos is built into demons, so you can begin to see how a conflict might arise. Rather than wishing to just see the multiverse reduced to ruin and rubble though, devils wish to actually conquer and subjugate it. This overall plan is spearheaded by the leader of the devils, who is still Asmodeus, just as he was back in 1977. Asmodeus lords over all other devils, able to demote any of them among their social hierarchy at will, including other archdevils. Asmodeus is exceptionally crafty, 
cunning, and ruthless, and when any mortal wishes to make a deal with a devil, as it were, the contract is strictly enforced by Asmodeus, so that if broken, the mortal's soul is taken straight to the Nine Hells. Speaking of the Nine Hells, the home plane of the devils is not nearly as expansive as the infinite layers of the Abyss, with only nine levels. Each level is lorded over by an archduke or archduchess, and they are layered sequentially on top of one another, with the river Styx leading from the first layer, Avernus, all the way down to the ninth layer, Nessus. Rather than being created spontaneously by the essence of their home plane, devils all develop from mortal souls. Of course, all evil mortals that die are sent to the Nine Hells, and anyone that breaks a devil's contract is also taken there. But devils generally delight in corrupting anyone they can to expand the army of the Nine Hells. Upon arrival, a mortal soul is transformed into the lowest of devils, the Lemur. Lemurs are shapeless blobs of flesh with teeth that can do little but be used as slave labor or tossed around by more powerful devils. If a Lemur is fortunate, loyal, and willful, they could be promoted to a slightly better position among the lesser devils. These ranks include the tiny shape-shifting imps, often used as invisible spies, or the larger bearded devils, typically used as frontline shock troops among devil armies. Blind, spined devils are often used as messengers between archdevils. Alert, barbed devils are generally used to guard dukes and duchesses in their vaults. And bone devils are the taskmasters of the Nine Hells, delighting in cruelly commanding lesser devils. Usually, for lesser devils, lemures are promoted based on need rather than any special merit, as lemures rarely do anything of note. So, depending on if an archdevil needs more spies, or messengers, or soldiers, they will promote based on that. Merit really comes into play when promoting a lesser devil to a greater devil. All devils aside from their leader, Asmodeus, seek to gain more power and control through promotion, but not all deserve it, or can otherwise earn it. Those lesser devils that distinguish themselves might be promoted into a horned devil, flying soldiers capable of cruelly stabbing with both their tail and their pitchfork, or hurling great flames. Also capable of flight, but quite different in appearance to most devils, are the Aranyes, with legends stating that they are actually fallen angels. They punish any devil that falls out of order, and some carry ropes of entanglement to ensnare foes. If a lesser devil serves one of the archdukes of the frozen lairs of the Nine Hells, they might become an ice devil, commanders of platoons of devils that typically showcase a relentless pursuit of promotion due to jealousy of the more powerful and respected pit fiends. Pit fiends are the highest ranking devils aside from the various dukes and duchesses, and they answer directly to the archdevils, carrying their orders and disseminating them amongst the other devils. In battle, pit fiends act as the generals of the devil armies and are incredibly capable monsters of their own regard, clawing, biting, and beating their way through hordes of enemies. As mentioned, all of the archdukes and duchesses command different layers of the Nine Hells, 
and each constantly vie to take total control from Asmodeus. In turn, pit fiends and dukes and duchesses also vie for control of the lairs, which does occasionally happen. Zariel was the ruler of the first lair, Avernus, for a long time before being deposed by her chief pit lord, Bell. Bell, in turn, eventually was usurped by Zariel once again, as typically, once a devil makes it to the Archduke rank, they stay there. Not because the other devils really respect them in that position, as I've said, but because it's just difficult, and there aren't any unified revolts. So, we know that demons want to massacre the mortal existence, and devils want to conquer and oppress it, so they share a similar goal, but not similar enough. An animosity has existed between the two groups since creation, and their conflict is known as the Blood War. Since its start, the Blood War has never paused or ended, although it does ebb and flow, with battlefields changing, advantages and disadvantages changing, and intensity changing. Although most of the fighting takes place in either the first layer of the Nine Hells, or in certain layers of the Abyss, it does occasionally spill out across other planes, including the Material Plane. Fortunately, since the war doesn't concern mortals, and the river Styx actually leads from the Abyss into the first layer of the Nine Hells, it's largely a contained war. Demons often launch an attack using the river Styx into Avernus, where they are sometimes beat back, and sometimes not. If they make it further down in the Nine Hells, inevitably some of the other archdevils send in more armies to repel them. While this is going on, they'll also sense a weakness in the armies of the Abyss, and send troops over there to do some fighting. Back and forth they go, forever and ever, with no end in sight. Demons have the overall advantage in numbers, roughly 20 to 1, as the Abyss continually spawns more and more demons. But the devils have organization and military tactics on their side, making it practically a perfectly even war. The Blood War is really one of the best things that mortals could hope for, as if it wasn't for the two groups constantly fighting one another, it's likely that one of them would actually succeed in their goals of taking over the Material Plane. Sure, if the war does spill out onto the Material Plane, neither group cares much about collateral damage, and will easily wipe out a town just for a small victory over the other side. As it stands though, both demons and devils are generally kept in check across the material plane, aside from the occasional cult. If a demon or a devil is slain outside of their home plane, they are merely inconvenienced, as their essence is sent back home to reform. They must be slain in their home plane to truly die, which again, the blood war helps out with. A common adage is, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but I think that's certainly not the case with demons and devils where the enemy of my enemy is also my enemy. Between chaos, destruction, madness, tyranny, cruelty, and evil, demons and devils cover all of the bases, and both make for excellent and intriguing enemies of the forces of good.